listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this week nine episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm all right, guys. A wee bit tired. You guys can't see it at home. You see the big bags under my eyes. I'm not sure what we call it. I guess it's like midterms, effectively. I suppose it probably would be for you, yeah. Midterms would be yeah. a good equivalent. So, uh, I, I'm i not sleeping, but um, it's okay because there's football to cheer me up. True, but a couple of little uh, puns here for you. Sleepers for the week. I think it's Eric Thomas that said, when you want to achieve something more than you want to breathe, that's when you know you're going to be successful. So sleepers uh, definitely should be last on the uh, <laughs> cards for you, mate. But it looks so appealing. <laughs> And I do get lots of it, so I probably get my share and your share at the moment, so clearly I don't want to do anything with myself at the moment, but <laughs> there we go. <laughs> anyway, join us after this short break for our quick-fire roundup of the Week 9 action. The Super Bowl is defined by spectacular plays, and those that have the longest staying power are often the longest runs. From time to time, for some teams, lightning strikes twice. He's gone! He's gone! Touchdown! He'll hand off to Smith. Timmy Smith from 58 yards! As time passes, those plays and players grow in stature. Throughout Super Bowl history, familiar faces have risen to the moment. Even if it means rising and running in the opposite direction. Another super stage on the verge of being set. Who will join them in a run for immortality? We start our quickfire roundup this week with the Jacksonville versus New York Jets game. This week, Ryan Fitzpatrick suited up for the Jets despite ligament damage to one of the fingers in his left hands. I know the Jets fans will be happy to see there was no Geno Smith this week. Jets got out to an early lead with a touchdown from Eric Decker, who's having a great season this year alongside Brandon Marshall, and the Jets just kept that scoreboard ticking over throughout the game. Fourth quarter, the Jags started to make a comeback with a touchdown reception from Brian Waters, and they even forced a fumble from Chris Ivory to have a chance at winning the game. Unfortunately for them, that drive ended with an interception, and the Jets went on to win 28-23. Cleveland at Cincinnati now. Yeah, Thursday night football game good as Dalton to Ivory and goal for Cincinnati. Uh, they had the game wrapped up pretty much in the second half as Browns' offense completely spluttered and the Cincy defense shut the Browns out. Cincy goes on to win this one, 31 to 10. Next, we have one of my favorite games from the week as the Oakland Raiders traveled into Pittsburgh. D'Angelo Williams was in at running back this week for the injured Le'Veon Bell and he did a very nice job finishing the day with 170 yards and two touchdowns. But for me, this game was all about the wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree for the Raiders, Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant for the Steelers. 
all had great receptions. This game was close throughout. In the fourth quarter, Steelers managed to sneak 14 points in 49 seconds thanks to a madness touchdown from Martavius Bryant, followed up by a fumbled kick from Oakland. I will finish in a minute, I promise. Somehow the Raiders found a way back into it, tying it at 35 all late on, but a big catch and run from Antonio Brown set up the winning field goal for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh win this one 38 to 35. Miami at Adri's Buffalo now, and the Bills smothered Miami as both offense and defense were finding form as both McCoy and Watkins had over 100-yard games. Mistakes from Miami killed off all their drives and unfortunately lent Buffalo the advantage to go away with a valuable division win. Buffalo win this one 33-17. And just a nice little addition that Buffalo became the first team to have two 100-yard rushers with Williams and McCoy and a 150-yard receiver in Watkins in the same game. Booyah! 49ers versus Falcons now and there was a big change at QB for the 49ers with Blaine Gabbert starting in place of Colin Kaepernick. Gabbert looks good early on throwing TD passes to Garrett Selleck but in true Falcons fashion they managed to mount a late comeback clawing back from 17-3 down to make it 17-16 with just over two minutes left. Unfortunately for Alanza on this occasion they just couldn't find a way past the 49ers. The 49ers clung on to the victory 17-16. Green Bay at Carolina now, and Carolina gave Green Bay a beating for three quarters. Cam Newton and that offense put up 24 points in the second quarter alone, so much that Green Bay were fighting each other on the sidelines. Well, cue Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to put 15 points in the final eight minutes to have a shot to win, but with a fourth down interception, keeps Carolina perfect at 8-0. Carolina win this one 37-29. The Giants took a trip down to Florida next to face the Bucks, and for the first time this season, Jason Pierre-Paul was on the field for the Giants following his firework incident in the offseason, which cost him some of the fingers on his right hand. Although JPP was back, this was all about field goals versus touchdowns. Tampa Bay went through the night and really struggled to punch it in the end zone, whereas Eli and the Giants had no trouble at all. The game ended with a rush and several lateral attempts from Tampa, but that ended in disaster with a walk-in fumble recovery for the Giants. Giants won this one 32-18. Yeah, that was quite comical. Kind of like some longest yard stuff going on there. I did find it quite amusing when I was watching the highlights. Well, amusing now is St. Louis went into Minnesota and AP got his running shoes on as the Vikings find the resilience to keep up a physical game against St. Louis Rams. A lot of key injuries out for the Rams on defensive and offensive line. Teddy Bridgewater left with a concussion as a late hit was dubiously called. And as overtime field goal gave Minnesota the tide for the top of the NFC North. Minnesota win this one 21-18. Just a quick one. Are you saying that it was a dubious late hit on Teddy Bridgewater or is that a separate incident you're saying was a dubious late hit? Oh, the one where he knocked him out should have got flagged. It did get flagged. No, he should have been ejected. That was targeting. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, so we're on the same page, though, because that was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, literally, his shoulder into his head, into the turf. It's targeting, you're out. Yeah, especially as he's in a slide and giving himself up. As a Rams fan, I was disgusted. Another one of my favourite games now, as Peyton Manning took the Broncos back to his old stomping ground in Indianapolis to try and keep their undefeated streak alive. The Colts got the best of it early, taking advantage of a Peyton Manning interception on their way to a 17-0 lead. Then with the last play before half-time, the Colts would punt the ball to Denver and Omar Bolden took the ball back 83 yards for a touchdown. Plays like this are showing you exactly why Denver were unbeaten to this point in the season. Second half now, Broncos kept their momentum going with a 64-yard touchdown past Emmanuel Sanders and managed to tie the game at 17-all. Fourth quarter in this game went back and forth with big catches from Demarius Thomas and T.Y. Hilton. In the end, the Colts managed to do just a little bit more than Denver and won 27-24. 
Washington had New England now, and Deshaun Jackson's return was a quiet one as the Washington offense looked average at best, as mistakes and poor concentration led to easy points for the Patriots. Deion Lewis's early exit of the game with what looks like an MCL tear, but it didn't matter because in came like Garrett Blunt to rumble and stumble his way to over 120 yards and a touchdown. New England win this comfortably 27 10. Sunday night football now and the NFC East showdown between the Eagles who travel to the amazing AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And this was a game, I tell y'all. Dallas managed to draw first blood with a long drive capped off by a short touchdown pass to Cole Beasley. Eagles managed to answer back a long drive which featured heavy amounts of DeMarco Murray unlike their first encounter earlier in the year. Murray even capped off that drive with a one yard touchdown run to tie at 7-0 and that's how they went into the half. Second half saw both teams hitting punch and counter punch again. Also featured amazing touchdown reception from Des Bryant which I'm going to put in the show notes. By the end of the fourth quarter teams were tied at 27-0. Game went into overtime. Philly got the ball first and despite a fumble scare from Ryan Matthews which got overturned because his knee was down the proof is in the video footage sorry Cowboys fans the Eagles managed to find a 41 yard walk-off touchdown pass to Jordan Matthews and won the game 33 to 27. Tennessee at New Orleans now and Marcus Mariota's return for the Titans in the Superdome as he found Delaney Walker for two of his four touchdowns. Both teams had field goal chances to win the game. Tennessee hit the crossbar and New Orleans came up short. It will be the Tennessee, however, to score a touchdown to win the game in overtime. They win this one 34 to 28. I'm just going to quickly come in there and say I think Mariota found two Saints defenders before he found Delaney Walker for one of the touchdowns. But again, I think we yeah. probably should put that in the show notes so you can see what I mean there. Monday night football now and Dog Bears! Travel to sunny San Diego who have been struggling to find wins of late. Unfortunately for Chargers fans, this night would not be much better despite an early pick six from Chargers cornerback Jason Verrett. The Chargers struggled to get much going offensively, especially because of the absence of Keenan Allen at wide receiver. Dog Bears! took advantage of those struggles and got the game-winning touchdown from Zach Miller. And I have to say, it was a pretty good touchdown. Again, I think I'll probably put that in the show notes for you. The Bears! The Bears! Won this one 22-19. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days! Hey, baby! You're having one of those days! I say that to say this. If you wouldn't have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't finish with these gloves. <laughs> I'm a teeth. I got to my tooth. I wish I had some goals so you can bite me some teeth. Now this week for our weekly musings, I wanted to follow on from something I started in the blog, and that is to go through a few players who have impressed me at this halfway point in the season. Marcus, I'm going to come to you first, my friend. Who has really caught your eye this year? Uh, someone who's really caught my eye this year would be Cam Newton helping his Panthers onto a... Uh, it's a perfect record so far, eight and oh. Um, really like what he's doing. He seems to have got the maturity on his head. Um, he is sort of leading teams on crucial drives. 
Um, not turning the ball over as much, especially with fumbles. A few more interceptions than I like, but I know there's been a few this year that have kind of been, oh, how do you put it, unlucky where you get the sort of the tips from the wide receiver and it goes in your interception column, mate, I'm afraid. But, you know, the fumbles is definitely decreased. He's only had two fumbles this year. You look at some of the, the tallies he's had over the last couple of years. Last year, I think he was into double digits. So, yeah, I, I really like the idea that he's sort of protecting the football a little bit more. He's being more clever with his decision-making and it's, it's leading to better results on the field. And I'm going to stick with the Panthers there because one player I want to bring up is Thomas Davis for two reasons. Firstly, because he's in my fantasy team and getting me an absolute stack load of points. And secondly, he's <laughs> had, um, 65 tackles, a forced fumble, three interceptions and came up with that big interception at the end of the Green Bay game. So it's not just that he's getting these figures, but it's that he's making the big plays when it counts. He's always getting the big interception or a big tackle. Um, and he's really complimenting Luke Keekley in that defense. And that Panthers defense is pretty scary. I know they let on a few points against the Packers towards the end of the game, but to go up by that sort of score in the first half, that just shows you how good that Panthers D is when they're playing at top notch. And uh, now they've knocked off Green Bay and Seattle this year. Again, you know, we have to think about them for the Super Bowl, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that's that, that's fair, actually, because especially there, the NFC South, what with uh, Atlanta was chasing and then dropping three games um, to go six and three, it kind of gives them a little bit of breathing room so they can sit there and pretty much hold that division So. Now it's up for them to get that sort of first round by and make their life easy. In theory, they only need, what, four more wins to clinch the division, potentially, something like that? If you hold the win over Atlanta, that's uh, an extra bonus one for you, so you might as well be 9-0. Uh, yeah, so you're looking at another three games, potentially. Yeah, wowzers. That's going to be interesting to see how they could end up getting that division wrapped up really quickly. But we'll move on to other players who have impressed you so far, Marcus. We are actually rather ironically going to stay in the NFC South, and we're going to jump over to the New Orleans Saints now, because you know what? Someone who I, I got billed for maybe Rookie of the Year, Stefan Anthony, middle linebacker for the Saints. Damn, this kid is good. 64 tackles and an interception, a sack. Yeah, really impressing me this year. Uh, came out Clemson. Uh, he's a fast, fast attacking sort of linebacker. You know, he's what they needed. You needed someone to sort of sit in the middle and sort of, as, as a rookie, step up to the plate and sort of make that defense his own, be the Ray Lewis of uh, the Bayou, as it were. Yeah, well, to keep it Saints-related, I was just about to say they have been missing a Jonathan Vilma character in that defense, oh, which yes, fits of perfectly. Oh, yes, definitely. So, I mean, that is literally um, picture perfect, uh, what they got there. But yeah, I think it would be nice to see how how they can actually sustain the, the pieces around him. The only problem is, especially if you throw over the front seven on New Orleans, a lot of teams putting a lot lot of points on them. We saw last week was it the new uh, the New York shootout? Yeah, the week before it was uh, last week. The Saints got seven touchdowns. The Giants got six. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, secondary the front seven looks great. It's shocking, really, when you think about it. Because if you think <laughs> about who their secondary is, they've got Jarius Bird, Kenny Vaccaro. I, I think is it. I want to say it's Michael Lewis, but I'm not sure. Their cornerback, and they've got Brandon Browner. So that secondary shouldn't be bad at all. Uh, there's a lot of age there, though. There's a lot of age. What in Kenny Vaccaro? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, like the likes of like Bird's been in the league uh, years. Uh, Brown has been in the, the league a couple of years. It's oh, like it's so a, five or six years at best between most of them, I think. I don't know what it is, but then again, you look at something like like Philly had trouble at the beginning of the season. You know, they have Maxwell and stuff like that. And you're sitting there going, "How is you know he's playing great in Seattle and then shifting to Philly and he was." Pants. One thing that did bug me actually, just quickly on the uh, Saints secondary and before we move on to the next sort of set of players, I thought Brandon Browner got flagged a remarkable amount of times 
for stuff that probably shouldn't have been called at all this week. I don't know if you saw much of the game or not, but he got penalised sort of two or three plays in a row where all he's doing is trying to make a fair play on the ball. It's absolutely criminal. They're almost penalising him just because it's Browner and they think if he stops a receiver making a catch, they've got to throw a flag. That's what it seemed like to me. Having that, that reputation, I guess. Well, I didn't see those highlights. I saw the, the scores, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, you can have good rep and you can have bad rep. True, but we'll move on from there quite quite swiftly because we're obviously running a bit short of time now. But I wanted to come on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and in particularly their receivers, Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson, because, again, they're two players for me who are really making a name for themselves this year. And when you think of what they're doing and how they're helping out Blake Bortles, they're really coming up and making some big-time catches. And, boy, are they quick as well to go with that. Yeah, that's the thing is that because you're sitting there going, Bortles needs help. As he sort of he's he's still in that learning process, so he needs people to throw to. They've got the mixture of speed, but also there's a lot of out outside play over the shoulder towards the sideline. We saw in Wembley, didn't we? Was it Hearns or one of them literally diving catch? Them oh, the, the Hearns was the diving catch at the end. Yeah, I remember that one well, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're sitting there going, "There's incredible amount of um, athleticism in these these players." And do you have any more to finish off? If not, there's just a couple of other players I want to sneak in there. If you're gonna have a dark horse for the Super Bowl, put your money in Cincy. I mean, they've got Hugh Jackman as their their offensive coordinator. He's got them rotating a lot because everyone's now sitting there going, "Cover AJ Green." But you know what he's doing is he's he's keeping inventive, keeping people guessing. The defense is aggressive. I love aggressive defenses because they attack. They don't just sit back and expect to sort of like. And wait for the interceptions come. They go out and they make the turnover. So for me, I'm loving Cincy at the moment. They're my sort of the the team I've sort of fallen in love with this year because you just want the good Andy Dalton to keep coming out and playing. <laughs> um, I'm going to get you to leave that there, and I'm just going to quickly finish off with the Jets and. Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all people I've mentioned before on the show, I know, but I just think, for me, I genuinely believe with those three and the chemistry they've got, the Jets could end up in the playoffs this year. I mean, they're five and three now. If Fitzpatrick keeps playing, then um, we could see some big numbers from Decker and Marshall, no doubt. And kudos to their rookie head coach. Indubitably. Five and three as a rookie head coach, that's good. Yeah, again, if he can keep it up, then it may keep the Bills out of the playoffs, but fair play to him because they're doing an absolutely great job. You are listening to Spitball. It's now time for our Impact Player. And of course, our And I'm going to give you a choice, Marcus. With thouest liketh to goeth firstest. Why you talk so weird again? I'm going to go first. Me, me, me. Okay, then. <laughs> My impact player. This week is actually, it's kind of weird, but I, I, I just love it when I get these sort of like these stories. My impact player is Jason Pierre Paul. You're sitting there going, well, you made two tackles in the game. Is that a big impact? When you had your hand blown off and you're still playing football, that's an impact because you've come back. The team is behind you. Knowing that, if you watch the footage on him from that game, he's up in the, the QB's grill at least two or three times. Uh, Winston, isn't it? Yes. The Tampa, Winston, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's putting some serious pressure on Winston. And apart from one, which really you could have almost called uh, a holding call, he could have even had him. You know what? To come back from that, he's got... You see it on the day, huge like mitten wrapped over his hand, still literally getting down in his stance and like rocking every down. And he played about 75% of the defensive downs as well. So 
you know what? That is why, for me, he's the impact player because, you know, that adversity, getting through it and still coming up good for his team. Yeah, fair play, buddy. I, I can't argue with that choice, to be honest with you. Now, my impact player comes back nicely to what you were saying about the Bengals offense. I've gone with Tyler Eifert, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this week, five receptions, 53 yards, three touchdowns, now leads the league in touchdown receptions. And when AJ Green is marked out of the game, uh, if this guy is left open, it's lethal. I think it was either Jones or Sanu on the sideline. I don't know if you heard the sound effects, but oh, like, the sound bite yeah, was brilliant. Someone, someone should think about Mark in 85. He only leads the league in touchdown receptions, but don't worry about it. Just yeah. It just goes to show what you were saying about how the defense is focusing on all the different elements because all of the receivers from uh, the Bengals can make a big play. And if you leave this guy open, he's going to tear you apart. Not only that, that healthy offensive line giving Andy Dalton time to actually observe the field and find the receiver open. Dynamite sort of chemistry there. So you, you really are right on the money. Now then we come on to our Marcus. Right, guys. Well, seeing that, you know, this week we uh, lost Denver as another one of our undefeated. I I like to test the waters. Get ready for this. New England at New York. You know who's been their bogey team the last couple of years? (laughs) New York and Eli Manning. I I like it. It's in MetLife. It's not up in Foxborough. I say... New York, maybe even just scrape this by a field goal. We are literally talking sort of 55-45. Boom. But put your money on New York. New York for the win. I hate you right now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because I'm reading my show notes and it says... Giants over Pats, 55 to 45. So by seven points or less, like their Super Bowl victories, because Eli just doesn't lose to Brady. I think I just said that. I'm pretty sure you just did, but I just, you know, it's, it's in my show notes. I can show people if they if they doubt me. <laughs> I did, uh, but I did put on a New York accent, a very bad one, but a New York accent, so. Oh, okay. So that means it's your call and I have to come up with another shring on the spot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're right. Wow. Stop that guy from talking. Um, but in order to do that, I need to come up with something big. So <laughs> I'm going to go Freezing. with Arizona to beat Seattle by a similar scoreline because it seems to be games are actually going so close this year I think we'd be foolish to think that any team's going to get fully blown out I know we've had a couple in the past that that have worked out that way but a lot of the games are a lot closer and we've seen this last week we had two or three overtime games again this week so you just can't have a big I don't think so I'm going with Arizona to beat Seattle by three points and I know that's going to be very unpopular with some of the people we know and perhaps some of the people that even listen to the show Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire we specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs whether it be field recordings fox pops or capturing the atmosphere during social events editing is a very time consuming job so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound and we will do the rest we can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. If you want to get in touch with us, remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Twitter at ballhawksnest at Adrian Mallows and at Marcus underscore innuendo.
All that remains is for me to thank our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions, my co-host, Marcus. As always, it's been a pleasure, sir. It's been fun. I am half asleep, but you know what? It makes for more fun show. That and the Xanax. Anyway, <laughs> don't forget we are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Bye.